Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's going on, people? Welcome to Paint Points. As usual, I'm your host, Jake Painting. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the SB Nation Podcast Network and the Canis Hoopers family. Oh boy, uh, the highs, the lows, the in-betweens of Timberwolves basketball all on show over the past two nights. Uh, the win against the Lakers blew them out of the building in Staples Center and in Staples Center again the next night to play the Clippers in just an awful, awful loss, uh, a blowout loss. I'm here with Jack Borman from Canis Hoopus, friend of the show, a man who has probably more optimism than me, but I, but that's that's a low bar at the moment, and I'm not sure if he actually does. I'm just assuming. Um, Jack, how are you feeling about the Wolves, and how are you feeling in general? How are you? Um, you know, the wolves, are the wolves, um, the more things change, the more things stay the same, uh, with the Timberwolves. Um, and I don't know if that's oddly comforting or, um, you know, or just a reminder that we are all insane people. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, but outside of that, you know, I'm good. There's a lot of, a lot of fun stuff going around, going on around the league. And now I have college basketball back, just another thing to, to get in the mix with, um, you know, with getting getting a break from from the wolves, because Lord knows that uh, that that sometimes we need it <laughs> on any given night. So, uh, yeah, man, um, just very very tough night. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, you'll you'll have those. You'll have those with the wolves. Yeah. Um, what? How do you balance these two games? Is it is it closer to the Clippers game that you think this season is trending towards? Is it closer to the Lakers game being less of an anomaly and more of something that they can do regularly? Is it somewhere in the middle? Like where, where do you, how are you feeling right now in terms of the Timberwolves prospects after uh, what is it? 12 games and, and in general, 12 pretty poor ones. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think it's tough to balance it because um, the Timberwolves looked so excellent last night defensively and just looked so terrible defensively tonight. Yeah. Um, and I think honestly, the Clippers are the worst matchup in the entire NBA for 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 the Timberwolves. Um, they're they're a team that that plays very small, um, that crashes the offensive glass extremely hard. Um, has four players on the floor at all times that can get into the paint and kick out for threes. They're very unselfish. Um, you know, and this is a team that shot over forty percent from three as a as a team last season, and returning most of the guys that they had last year. And, uh, and even without Kawhi Leonard, a team and Marcus Morris, who Marcus Morris shot over 50% on corner threes last year, I'm pretty sure. And, and not having either of those two guys, uh, and still getting absolutely bludgeoned, uh, offensively by the Clippers has been tough. Um, so, so, 
so I think trying to balance that with with last night playing against um you know a group of old guys that's been you know going to LA fitness for the last 15 years uh is tough because I I don't think the Lakers are a very good basketball team. They're certainly not a good basketball team without LeBron James. Uh and then when you when you juxtapose that to to a very real basketball team that's hungry that understands that they have to win as many games as they possibly can before Kawhi comes back, which uh, thankfully for them sounds like it's going to be sooner rather than later. And and the Wolves just don't have that same desperation. I, I think that that's the biggest difference I saw is that last night the Wolves looked like a very desperate team. And and tonight the Wolves looked like a team that, that um, you know, that hit up James Harden for strip club recommendations. Satisfied, you know, satisfied service recommendations. I mean, a team that looked like they just had no care in the world about um, about coming out and playing basketball tonight, and and that's a big problem, especially when you're when you're four and seven already, and you have the easiest schedule in the NBA, and you're four and seven. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of how I balance the two games. The mentality is just atrocious right now, like. The, the the standing up on the pedestal after you win a game uh, and the the sleepwalking into a building thinking thinking that you can just turn it on against anyone and the Clippers for that matter who I think last time we spoke I said that I don't believe at all in the Clippers but I have watched them a lot this this season especially because they play the late games which is which is good for me over here and man they're just a really well drilled basketball team and like you said the perfect kind of juxtaposition to this Timberwolves basketball team, which isn't well drilled. Like it just shows you what, what mentality and what desperation to win and what wanting to be the best team every night really does, does to a team. Cause I don't think they've got more talent than the Timberwolves. Um, not on paper. They certainly do mentality wise. They certainly know how to win and, and have been in winning situations and, and understand that you can't just take, nights off in the NBA and the Timberwolves has taken multiple nights off already and this is for a team that just cannot afford to take any nights off um I guess I've been I've been getting criticism but also kind of trying to trying to um plant my my flag and 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 let my opinion be known that I, I think that this is not on cat but like man cat's Cat's performance tonight was just so disheartening. Um, and it has been multiple times this season. I, I do think that if if you do have problems with, with effort and with mentality and with, you know, desperation on the court, the fact that your best player isn't doing those, isn't showing that, that fortitude and, and is turning up to games like tonight where he just, he didn't try in this game. I mean, that... That I'm like that's straight up. He did not try. Like there are problems that he can't fix. When guys are letting point of attack, when point of attack defenders are letting guys get downhill and 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 play at him two on one, that's not his fault. Like he might look bad when a guy gets a dump off pass for a dunk, but like when Ant and and D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley are letting those guys walk past them, man, there's not much that Cat can do, but. Just uh, I don't know. It, it's almost hard to quantify in like a certain play or a certain time, but like Cat's Cat's demeanor and his body language right now is just really poor. And I, and I, I thought maybe he had uh, kind of got over that hill 
last night against the Lakers, but but straight back down tonight. And to me, it's just so discouraging and it really puts the onus on a bunch of guys who shouldn't have that much onus on them to, to make up for him. And he should be the ones making up for them. I don't know. I, I'm I'm really down on Cat's effort right now and, and I don't know what it is, but am I crazy or is this a, just a thing that you can see as well? No, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many tweets I've written out and saved to drafts because <laughs> I, I, you know, that's just where I'm at. Uh, and, and I think too, when you look around the league, how many other teams, number one guys have taken multiple nights off this yeah. season already? Cat yeah. has taken two games where he has just completely mailed it in. It was the Golden State game and tonight. He is and that's completely two in three as in. well, two in the last three games. Yeah, and this is a guy who a few nights ago, I think it was after that Golden State game, or maybe it was after after the game last night, I can't remember, uh, said that he takes every single Timberwolves loss extremely personally. Um, he does certainly does not look like it when he plays on the floor. When he gets punched in the mouth, uh, he's been rolling over. And especially tonight, the onslaught starts. And what happens? Cat's moping around. He's he's barely running up and down the floor. Uh, he's he's begging for fouls, not just for him, but for other players. Um, he's not hustling back on defense. I mean, the Clippers had 17 fast break points in the second quarter alone. 17 in a quarter. Um, oh man! And you just can't have that. I mean, Cat's getting out muscled, outplayed, out rebounded. By Ivica Zubac and Isaiah Hartenstein, who I believe was signed to a two-year, a two-way contract before it was before it was upgraded to uh, a full-time minimum contract. And bullied, man, bullied by him. Not just outplayed, yeah. bullied by him, and bullied yeah. by him just because Hartenstein wants to be out there playing hard. It's a no. It's not a novel concept. And I'm and pissed, that, man. Yeah, I mean, cat. cat Cat's been awful the two of the last three games. He was so great last night, and it it was encouraging because it was an empowering performance where Finch started using Cat a lot more at the nail. I think I, I I had something in my preview. I didn't post it on Twitter, but I clipped together five five clips of Cat getting the ball at, at the nail, and and he scored in five different ways. He had a dribble handoff um, with Russell into a nice little roll. Uh, he had that nice little one-legged jumper uh, over Anthony Davis, drove it at AD, um, had another one where he kind of backed Rondo down into the post um, and scored that way as well. Uh, and, and just did all the things that we know and love about Cat. And tonight, you just didn't get that. And uh, it is becoming really concerning to me how mentally checked out Cat looks uh, on the floor when when things go south. and. Um, you know, the first three, four games of the season, it looked like Carl Anthony Towns was going to have a second, a second team all NBA caliber season. Mm-hmm. And, um, now it's looking like, you know, he may not even have an all-star season if he's going to keep mixing in these nights of just mailing it in completely. And Kat says he wants to be a leader. He takes pride in being a leader that he wants to be in Minnesota for his entire career and lead this franchise out of the, you know, you know, the shit pit that it's been in pretty much my entire life. I'm 23 years old and it's been in the shit pit almost my entire life. Um, and then you, you get nights like this. You have 
um, his manager slash best friend slash social Party. media guy, Chucky, Chuck, Chucky Anthony, just like acting like a clown on Twitter, just coming at guys for, you know, rightfully pointing out that Cat has not played up to snuff. And fans have every single right to be frustrated. And I, I think, I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to say that Chucky is a reflection of Cat, but I mean, you know, Chucky is around Cat constantly and probably has, you know, many of the same sentiments and feelings, at least about Timberwolves fans that Cat has. And a lot of the shit that Chucky's been saying on Twitter has, um, has not been very encouraging. Seems to make it known that Cat understands that Wolves fans are pissed and, um, instead of stepping up to the challenge like he did last night, just rolled over again tonight. And uh, from from your franchise cornerstone, um, you know, you just cannot have that. Can't have it. Maybe yeah. once every 10 games, you know, if yeah. you're just absolutely laboring and putting the entire team on your back and you need a break for one night, sure, you know, shit happens. Like there's going to be nights where Steph is like one of nine from three and like Jordan Poole goes off. You know, but the thing is, is like the the Timberwolves have, have had maybe two games this season, maybe three games where all three of their best three players have played very well in the same game. And, um, you know, the, the supporting cast has been so unreliable that it feels like if any of those any of those three guys have have a poor game, the Timberwolves just have no shot at, at, at winning. And then that's frightening. Yeah, uh, I I don't know because I felt like last season we we got to see the makings of that that trio um, working synergistically together. Um, I think there was obvious, always going to be obvious kind of flaws in them, mainly defensively. But there there was a little bit of high usage, you know, three guys with high usage problems there. But this season, it's just looked awful in terms of getting all of them on the same page at the same time. Um, and and like you said, like Towns is the one who needs to be the most consistent. I get that it's a lot of pressure to, to throw on him. And like you said, like you can have a bad game. I don't. I will never begrudge a guy for having a bad game. Um, Ant has bad games. D'Lo has bad games. Every good player has bad games. You can't have low energy games constantly. That's that's the bar. It, and I think there's a difference between having a bad game and a bad energy game. Yeah, yeah. And um, Steph doesn't have bad any energy games. Steph has bad shooting nights. He might and he might score 15 points and the Warriors might lose by 30. That's like you said, that's a different that's a different vibe to one where even like sitting me at, you know, on the other side of the world, I can see that you don't even want to be out there. Like that's not that's not acceptable. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a troubling thing, man. And the Timberwolves are only twelve games in, and they're only four and eight right now. Like they could very feasibly win, you know, three out of the four at home. Exactly. And you're sitting at seven and nine, and things objectively are fine, mm-hmm. right? Like you're on pace to be what, like six seven eight games below 500 like that's pretty much right where vegas has you for the for the season um that's what you were expected to do uh but you know it, it's just that if you 
think about this season in the context of like being in March and looking back at games because I mean that's what I've been doing so far this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was pissed at the Pelicans loss. Oh yeah. The first Pelicans loss because that team was awful. Awful. And you look back and if the Timberwolves could be competing for the you know 7 8 9 10 11 seat, you know, in that range, one game can make a huge difference. You know, one game has often been the difference between a 7 and an 8 seed or a 9 and a 10 seed or a 10 and an 11 seed in this new in this new play-in format. And, um, and players have to understand that, you know, you can't be sitting here in November and saying, you know, it's just one night we've got, you know, we've got 70 other games ready to go the rest of the season. You can't have that. You have to treat every single night with the same weight. The games just can't be, you know, weighted more heavily as you get closer to the playoffs. Like that just can't happen. Like, do you think like the Warriors, for instance, the Warriors are certainly treating every game with the same weight, Yeah. you know? They're yep. approaching every single game the exact same way. And the Timberwolves are, you know, with their emotions and their energies, it's just so up and down as opposed to just being even keeled. And, you know, with a guy like Pat Bev that has been on, you know, this exact same Clippers team that, you know, that played exceedingly well in the playoffs last year, despite losing Kawhi, despite, you know, having all the shit that got thrown at Paul George. And and they stayed even keeled, and it feels like with the Timberwolves after the lo- after every loss, it's the end of the world, and after every win, they just like made the playoffs. <laughs> you know, it has to be so much more of an even keeled demeanor, and it's really tough when after you lose, you have one guy who is legitimately pissed off and feels like he can change things, and Anthony Edwards. One guy who, uh, you know, frankly, feels like winning Zoom is more important than winning games in Carl Anthony Towns. And then one guy who, you know, frankly, doesn't really give a shit about the whole media thing and his apathy, um, you know, off the basketball court kind of shines through in D'Angelo Russell, which is like, fine, that's his personality. But like, that's a dangerous mix for a team that's, already behind the eight ball and needs to needs to come back and galvanize and in yep. town certainly isn't going to be the guy that's going to be the galvanizing force thankfully anthony edwards emergence can can kind of create that galvanizing player and aura and personality that this team needs but but right now it certainly certainly feels like um you know the timberwolves are heading for uh, nowhere, no place that's good quickly because even when you look at outside of the top three, there has been zero bright spots outside yeah. of the top three in Nas Reed. Yeah. Um, af- outside of those guys, it's been awful. Relying on Anthony Edwards to be your galvaning force, as you say, is just such a dangerous game because he's played, what is it, 84 games now? Like, if he's the guy who has to, t- if he's the guy who has to turn this whole ship around, and he, like he's going through his own struggles, kind of inconsistencies, which is normal, I think. And I don't want to absolve Ant from blame because he does things that need to be done tonight. He, I thought he was pretty bad defensively when normally he's been a bit better this season. Um, he attacked the rim relentlessly, which which I enjoy, but he couldn't he couldn't hit 
shots and I thought he got fouled more than the whistle blew. But uh, I just think, like, the only teams that have rookies that lead them is teams that win 20 games. The reason this team was meant to be a team that didn't win 20 games is that Ant was meant to be, like, the sidekick to Towns. Um, now it feels like Anthony Edwards is almost the undisputed leader, at least off the court. On the court, he he leads, but he's kind of still going through growing pains as much as I think that he's gotten a lot better than last season. He still has his growing pains. And on nights like tonight where Cat doesn't show up, D'Lo's been a complete kind of, you know, face of inconsistency for the whole season. Um, and within games can go from, from terrible to, to awesome, you know, at, at the drop of a hat. Um, I don't know. It's just like, I just don't know how to get excited or to, to step down from the ledge about a team that feels like Anthony Edwards needs to play really well for them to, to win more often than not. And, and I know you can point to that Lakers game where, where Ant didn't play well at all. Uh, and they still won. But that's the whole problem is that if you can't get that from Cat and D'Lo on most nights, like, then you need it from Edwards on most nights. And Edwards is less likely, I think, to produce at, like, this this team-dragging level every night because he's still so young and he's still learning how to, how to be the guy. He wasn't meant to be the guy. He was meant to be the guy who can store 30 and not have all the pressure on him to do every single thing on the court or else his team won't win. That's where the problem lies, that, that Ant can't be... Uh, a second-year player. He has to be this grizzled veteran, you know, to, for the Timberwolves to have a chance to win, and that's a fucking bad place to be. It's a bad place to be. And, and I, like you said, it's early. I don't think that it's, like, unsalvageable. Um, I'll never think it's unsalvageable because I do believe that Towns and Russell are good players. We've sat here on many podcasts throughout the offseason saying what this team can be because of these guys, but... I I am just so shocked at how poor the the not the not even the fit just the I don't know I don't know how to explain it the, the way they've all synergized together in different games and and the disconnect in the whole roster um is just awful um I I, I don't even know kind of where to go with it apart from that it's just that there's no there's no offensive players on this team <laughs> like outside of those three nothing works man. Well, I, I'd say thus far. I mean, we have yeah. a significant sample size of Malik Beasley being a very, very uh, serviceable offensive player. And he's shooting 30% from three right now. He's averaging nine points per game. Um, and, you know, when you look at what he did last season, averaging, I think he averaged 19 last year. Um, you know... Yes, Malik Beasley spent a good chunk of the offseason in prison. Um, that's not something that can be rushed over. Um, but at the same time, when you're that elite of a shooter, like you don't forget how to shoot the ball. And that will come. That is something that I feel confident in that will come. Um, but outside of outside of Malik, I don't feel like anything else is like a guaranteed or not a guaranteed, but like a, I feel very strongly that this is going to come. You know, Jaden McDaniels, speaking of looking like someone forgot how to play basketball, um, <laughs> you know, he is someone who, who looks like he has zero offensive confidence. Yeah. And especially for a player where the Timberwolves don't really need much out of him. Um, you know, it's really concerning to me. 
because he he's completely letting the way that he's fouling defensively because he's looked slow, he's looked out of position, he's looked like, you know, he he doesn't know how to deal with offensive physicality on the on the defensive end of the floor and he's letting that totally totally take hold of of his offensive game. And when that's happening, there's not a whole lot you can do as a coach or a coaching staff to to help a player because they're completely in their own head. You know, and it's and it's different because he's one of those players whose defense feeds his offense, as yeah. opposed to a lot of other players. You know, if, if they're struggling on offense, it affects them on defense, and and it's not like you can you can run a play for a guy to 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 get his defensive confidence back to get him an easy look on yeah. defense. You know, um, and so th- that's what's troubling to me is that a lot of the guys in the back end, not the back end, but just rotation players. You know, him, Akogi, you know, Malik, um, you know, Torian Prince, none of those guys are earning minutes at all. Mm-hmm. And they've faced zero repercussions for that. You know, Josh Kogi's had a couple DNPs. Um, I think Finch made the right move to bench McLaughlin. Um, but, but the fact that those guys have, have just been going out and laying eggs, uh, on both ends of the floor, frankly. And, and that they're still getting minutes is tough because you've got guys like no like Noel is <laughs> Noel is a certified pressure cooker offensively. Like I feel confident that if Malik Beasley is not playing the way that Malik Beasley can play, like you put Jalen Noel in there, and there's a pretty low chance that his worst is going to be worse than Malik Beasley's worst mm-hmm. because Noel's a better defender than Beasley is. He can create a shot off the dribble more easily than Beasley can. And, you know, Malik's shooting 30% from three. Like, Jalen Noel, his floor is also probably 30% from three. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, Jim Pete made a good point last night of the broadcast that, like, Finch is good at letting guys play through their struggles. And with a guy like Malik, I think that makes sense. But when you're a Kogi or Vanderbilt or Prince or, you know, McLaughlin, and, and you just don't have it that night, your effort isn't there, you're – the things that you're normally good at, you're not doing well at all. Like he's got to have a quick hook on those guys. And so far he's had a very, very long hook and it's, and it's bitten the Timberwolves in the ass and he's got to light a fire under some of these guys. And, and until that happens, I just don't see the the Timberwolves rotation players stepping up to the plate and, and getting on base. I just, I don't see it happening. Yeah. I, that's it's a really good point let let me take a quick break because i want to retort to that you know and i want to talk about the finch and what he needs to do or what what he can do to try to light that fire under under the ass of some of these guys so let's take a, a quick break for the, for the ads and we'll come back and talk about that you ready showtime on may 3rd summer starts with the fall guy let's do it later let's drink a spicy margarita make some bad decisions yes Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. 
You got this. Adidas. All right, we are back. Uh, you were just, you were just, you know, musing on, on how you can't just keep letting these guys, these, I guess, what would you say, seven to not even seven, probably five to ten in the rotation, um, just continue to 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 lay eggs and to to drop three out of ten performances, and and. That's, I think, a, a, a sentiment that's been echoed around the fan base, and I think it's absolutely spot on. Um, you've got guys on the bench that, that can't be worse than what... Jake Lehman can't be worse than what Torian Prince is giving you right now. Jalen Noel can't be worse than what what Malik Beasley is giving you right now. And frankly, the you can't... like This season will, will slip away if you're trying to let guys play themselves into a rhythm. At the end of the day, like you have to, try, you have to find, you have to force this rhythm. You have to grab this rhythm and stuff it onto the court yourself. Because right now, Malik Beasley isn't finding a rhythm. His shot selection is getting worse because he's trying to shoot himself back into into a rhythm. I thought at the start of the season he was still playing well as a ball mover and a guy who was taking the right shots. Um, he he gets open looks all game. He like he would have had four or five open looks again in this game. Like. He's barely grazing rim on some of these shots. Like he is as as in a funk as you can be in. Um, like Torian Prince has been an enormous disappointment. He doesn't even shoot threes anymore. I don't even know when the last time he attempted a three was. It's got to be at least two or three games. Um, at least he and he's been kind of waning over the over the edge of of rotation minutes. Sometimes he he was a DNP coach's decision the other night. Um, Josh and Vanderbilt, Josh Akogi and Vanderbilt are very situational guys. I actually think Akogi's been pretty good most of the season, but he, his obvious flaw is that he is not a good shooter. Um, Vanderbilt, who I love, you know, listeners know I love Vanderbilt, oscillates between someone who wins you a game and someone who is almost unplayable at times. Like, he was unplayable tonight. Yeah, um, McDaniel's is like you said, just lost a lost puppy out there at times. I actually thought McDaniel's had a decent game offensively tonight, and and in garbage time he started to get things going a little bit, which is obviously pretty meaningless. But it was nice to at least see him getting some confidence back defensively. If he can't, he's he's stopped fouling the last two games, but he's lost a lot of his defensive kind of acumen because he needs to play physical. He's too light to not play physical and he can't figure out, like you said, how to play physical at the moment and, and play physical and not pick up fouls. Uh, what what do you do? If you are if you step into Chris Finch's shoes, what are the skimmy, I guess, two things that you would change heading into the next game that, that are kind of, you know, not things that a, an NBA coach would, would know more than us, just two things, surface-level things that you'd change. Yeah, I mean, so the first thing that I would do is um, I would ask Patrick Beverly to shoot more. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing I'd do because Patrick Beverly is, he's obviously been very smart with his shot selection thus far this year. I think he's been a little too conservative at times, honestly. Um, I, you know, I think that there's times where, you know, he pump fakes a three 
and wants to shoot that three, but instead, you know, will pass it uh, as opposed to putting it on the deck if he's got a guy beat. Like there was one um, one possession tonight where he beats, he throws Zubac up in the air with a pump fake and wants to shoot a three and has a wide open driving lane, but instead passes it back out to the perimeter. Like Patrick Beverly is a pretty decent guy with floaters, mm-hmm. shown that this year. And, you know, even if Pat Bev gets a ball on the deck um, and wants to get to that floater and the defense respects it, you know, he can make a dump off pass or kick it to the opposite wing. Like he's got to be more assertive because um, he's somebody whose offense has been there this year. Like when he's looked for it, it has been there. Um, And then the second thing that I would do is, is I would really focus on on getting the, the big three playing in their, you know, comfort positions. And in their comfort situation. So I wrote this in the, in the preview for tonight's game. Um, but I would really like to see a lot more high ball screen action for Anthony Edwards. Yeah. Um, we've seen so few ball screens for Anthony Edwards this year. Um, and, and that's a really big problem because you can't just rely on Anthony Edwards to get downhill one-on-one every single time he touches the ball. Like, that's just not sustainable. Ant is so goddamn good that, like, the other night in the Warriors game, like he was able to do that, but but you can't expect that, you know, every night, every other night, whatever it is, and and when you do that, it, it allows Cat to make the decision of whether he wants to pop out or whether he wants to roll because he's just as good in either situation, and and it allows Edwards to to make simple reads, whether to throw the ball back out to Cat or not, whether to continue to get down and attack. Um, and then if you have D'Angelo, or if you have D'Angelo Russell on the strong side wing or in the corner, um, you know, that's like a layup for him. If the defense, you know, cheats in on Ant and he's wide open, that's a layup for him. And those three situations for each player with Ant driving Cat and spot up on the perimeter where he can shoot it or pump and go and then D'Angelo Russell in catch and shoot situations, like that's the best way that you can harmonize the three of them at the same time. And is it tough that, you know, you have a max player as a catch and shoot guy in some situations and D'Angelo Russell, like, yeah, sure. That's, you know, unfortunate, but only one player can have the ball at a time. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, D'Angelo Russell is one of the best spot up and catch and shoot guys, not just on the Timberwolves, but in the entire league. Every time he's looked good this season, it's been when he's caught fire from three and, and, most and of those, t- yeah, and most of those times, it, it, the the spark has been ignited by getting a, a couple of catch and shoot opportunities. I, I absolutely, I, I love the idea. I think that they need a like talking of cat as a as a screener. I think it should be roles. I think I, I I mean I want cat to shoot threes, and I think he should shoot threes. Um, I I wrote the other day about it, and, and he's popping on sixty four percent of he after his screens. Um, rolling on 36, that would be... Where is that from, by the way? Uh, basketball Index on their player profiles. Okay, um, And I, I want, I'd almost want to flip that. I think when there's just so little rim pressure on this team that getting Cat moving downhill, Nas, I think Ant and Nas work really well together because Nas is just diving so hard. And then you can use Cat as a short roll passer as well, which again opens up D'Lo, um, I think Ant has become really good at pocket passing from the perimeter, kind of not on the move. If, if Cat just comes in, the defense tries to trap or hedge Ant, and he can just slide it through that gap to Cat, and then you, then Cat will, will inevitably collapse any defense. If Cat gets into two feet in the paint, 
he collapses the defense, especially when he's when he's doing it on the move and not in a in a back down post up situation. Um, that that's definitely a thing I want to see more of. That you see it with Nas on the court. I I think it's more of a a choice from Cat to shoot threes, which is not a bad choice. I want to get that across because Cat should be shooting threes. Like he should never he should post be shooting up. ten threes a game. He should never post up. I don't want to see him post up at all throughout a game. Like I genuinely don't want to see it ever again. That's like they went. The only time is if they're like you said, if they're going to do it at the nail, at and he can face up quickly and make because they they don't double. You can't double from the nail. There's just too much space in behind that to double consistently at the nail. Um, when he's on the block, it's just so easy to double him out of the game. He's not making decisions quick enough. So and he can't I, move guards when guards are yeah, on his back. He's, he his lower it. body strength is just completely shot, and it was never good to begin with. Um. So I want to see him as a role man, and definitely, like you said, if he's not rolling, at least just play pick and pop. Like I just want to see high ball strains for Ant, high ball strains for Delo when he's when he's got the ball. Um, Delo more as a shooter. I think that's all spot on. Malik Beasley shouldn't play next game. I I just don't think he should play next game. I I don't think you just shelve him for the rest of the season. But like something's got to give. I thought he was awful defensively in this game. I thought he'd been better this season. But I thought he was just absolutely awful on defense. I think Noel, like you said, is better defensively. Give Jake Lehman some minutes. Try Just throw some shit at the wall and hope that it sticks. Because right now it's just shit sitting there in a pile. <laughs> like, uh, Yeah, like I, I, I disagree that, that Malik just shouldn't play. Um, you know, I... I, I don't think that that would help the situation with with him shooting and his offensive struggles. I uh, yeah, I, it's, um, I get I, that. I, I, I do get that. I think shortening. I think shortening the leash. I'm fine with, but but just taking a guy like Malik Beasley and benching him completely. I, I, I and this is coming from somebody that is all in on the Jalen Noel train. That is conducting oh, the Jalen Noel <laughs> train. And and I still think that like Malik Beasley is so talented as a shooter. That if he sees his first one go in or his second one go in, like he could see his next three or four go in. Um, and I just, you know, if he's just terrible for like the first five minutes of his time out there, then yeah, like give him a hook and, and you know, try and light a fire under his ass. Um, but I don't know. I just completely taking a guy that has the potential to be such a big part of the rotation like he does. I, you know, he's not a guy that I'd feel comfortable completely taking out, but like, you know, I, I definitely do think that we're at the point of the season where like, you've got to let it rip. Yeah. Like, I, if, I, I if, do see if that. You need I it, see that. I see that. Like if, I if see that. Sorry. Um, I see no, that your point there because like Beasley's never getting back. And like, if you take him out of the rotation, how long do you leave him out? If, if you take him out and Noel plays well, uh, like, do you sit Beasley for the rest of the season? That's not feasible at all, really, is it? So, and it's not like you're practicing enough where like you'd know. Okay, he's making more shots in practice. Yeah. Like we'll put him in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, it's like last year with Jaden McDaniels. Like Jaden McDaniels started playing more because the Timberwolves were getting blown out, and the coaching staff was like, "Oh wait, shit, we we might have something here." And slowly but surely, they started creeping him up into the rotation, and and you know he was starting. And, and I feel like either with Jaden, Jalen Noel or Leandro Bolmaro, like those are two guys where you got to start giving them like 
a three minute spurt here or a four minute spurt there mm-hmm. and just seeing what you have. If that four minute spurt loses you the game, then so be it. You're already four and eight. You're already behind the eight ball. You already have a lot of rotation guys that are not playing well. And, and you, and you just cannot keep the status quo. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that the wolves are in any type of position to make a trade right now. Um, especially for someone like Ben Simmons, because the three biggest pieces they'd use in a trade, uh, on each of their players, you know, contextualized standards have been awful so far this season between D'Lo, Malik, and Jane McDaniels. Um, and this team cannot afford to trade Patrick Beverly right now or, you know, trade Patrick Beverly and D'Lo and Jaden or something like, like they just can't do that. And then also cough up a bunch of first round picks. Um, so they're just between a rock and a hard place. And I feel like the best way to proceed from here is put the guys that you know can produce in the positions where they produce the most efficiently and the most effectively with Cat, D'Lo, and Ant. And then with the rotation guys that aren't playing very well, you got to show that there are consequences for playing really poor basketball. And to me, that's giving guys like Noel and Bulmero a three, four minute stint there or, you know, shit, a Nathan Knight two minutes here and there. Um, and just anything to try and infuse the team was, or excuse me, not Nathan Knight, um, Jake Lehman, you know, two minutes here or there. Um, you know, something's yeah. got to change. And I don't think that the attitudes of, of the players that are playing poorly right now are going to improve unless you do something to directly challenge them. Yeah, uh, I agree on all fronts. And and I liked what you said about like these three minute stints that you, that you speak of. It doesn't like the team is losing, man. Tonight, there's, there was no reason why Balmaro shouldn't have got five minutes tonight in the, in the third quarter. There's just no reason why. Um, there's no reason why Noel shouldn't have dropped minutes in other games where the offense was just completely falling apart. He's, he's what, one of three guys on the roster that can create their own shot? <laughs> like, which is just a recipe for disaster in itself. Um, and even the shots that D'Lo is creating have been really tough looks, and when he's not in a rhythm, those really tough looks kind of are really tough to stomach him him shooting. Um I know that's his game. It's it's Russell's game, and he he takes those hard shots. And when he's playing well, he hits those hard shots. But right now, he he isn't more more often than not. So, like you said, you want to get him cleaner looks. You want to get him off the ball. You want to do all these things. But but at the end of the day, if if the guys that aren't Ant, Cat, and D'Lo aren't playing well, they're not good enough to have a cemented place on this roster. Or in this rotation, and not not one that can't be overtaken by Balmaro or by Noel, and and letting them figure it. If you let them figure out for another fifteen games before you go to to one of these guys and you try something else, the season's probably going to be over, or it's going to be fully turned around. There, there seems to be no in between. Ah, I'm I'm really how because we're hitting on it. How do you think Chris Finch is doing? Because he's in he's truly between a rock and a hard place but there's there's criticism that needs to go his way as well but how much do you blame him how much do you blame the roster construction like what what's your kind of ratio there yeah i mean um it's tough like 
I, I mean, you would know better than I would um, in terms of like exactly specifically with what actions he's running, how, you know, how well he's doing with dialing up play calls and the frequency at which those plays are being dialed up. Um, you know, it felt like last year there was a much more evident um, kind of like scheming advantage that, that Finch showed where like he, he was doing such a good job of getting guys in their spots um, and, and helping them getting and helping to get them going that way. You know, I think we saw way more two-man action with Cat and Ant last year that we just aren't seeing this year. Um, and, and I think he did so much more to get D'Angelo Russell open off the ball when, you know, when he was playing alongside of McLaughlin, um, or, or Ant kind of assumed more of the point guard role. Um, and we just haven't seen that. I think D'Lo is just such a good off the ball player that he's just kind of flowed into empty spots and made it work. Um, but, but I just think that there, for my money, the, what I've seen, it feels like, there are so many simple, repeatable actions with Cat, Ant, and D'Lo that you can get to. And there are far too many times where the Timberwolves are just trying to force feed Cat in the mid post and he's fighting for position until there's 15 seconds left on the shot clock or 14 seconds left on the shot clock. And then he gets the ball, gets doubled. All of a sudden, there's six seconds left on the shot clock and, and there's no possession to be made out of that. And, and I think, you know, Finch kind of alluded to it saying that Cat needed to be cleaner and quicker in the post. Um, and, you know, hopefully that means that, like, you be cleaner and quicker in the post or I'm going to stop calling plays for you to be in the post. <laughs> um, but, but man, I mean, with his rotation, like, I'm not really mad about his rotation all that much. Like, I, outside of what I mentioned with, like, giving guys, you know, three, four minutes here and there to, to throw something out there. But, um, and defensively, I think he's been fine. Like, I think his, the, when he's gone to zones or switched up defenses has been fine. Uh, it's just that they've been so bad at those other defenses that like it makes you look worse. Um, yeah, man. But but my biggest gripe has been not getting Ant and Cat involved in a two-man game enough, not getting Ant enough high ball screens, and not running enough action for D'Angelo Russell as a shooter off the ball. And yeah. if those if those three things happen, I'd be much happier. I think this offense would be at least a little bit better. You know, I'm not I'm not a tactician. Um, I'm, I'm trying to learn as much as I can, but like, I'm not going to sit here and act like I know everything about it. And, um, just for my money, that's, that's what I think you can improve on. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I, I, I'm still a pretty big Finch guy, but some of the decisions I think as the season's worn on has been, have been pretty maddening. The post up shit needs to stop. Like I said before, I just don't see the benefit of it. Like, even at its best, post-ops aren't really good, you know, points per possession plays. I get the thinking is that you want to play out of the post so you can get those high points per possession plays, um, you know, be it open threes or cuts to the rim. But they haven't been there. But this team there. doesn't cut. They this don't cut at all. Cut. They don't move. <laughs> they don't move. I don't know how much of it... Like, that's what I, f- I find hard deciphering is, like, how much of it is just Finch kind of shitting the bed at times and how much is it, it is Anthony Edwards not cutting when, when he could? Is it Jaden McDaniels, I feel like, has cut 70% less than he did last season. Um, Russell, I haven't seen him run run one kind of 
really good action for Russell as an off-ball shooter, but he runs them for Beasley and Prince a lot. Beasley, by far, gets the best actions run for him on the team, in my opinion. Um, Beasley gets really nice, you know, screening actions and, and coming off the baseline, off exit screens into the corner. Like, he's just clanging the shots. Um, I'd like to see Russell get some of those. I don't know if Russell's just unwilling to kind of sprint around the same way that Beasley is because he's a Oh, kind of, he's he's willing to. He's cuz yeah. he did a ton in Golden State. A yeah, ton. well that's that's yeah, that's why it, was I, so it confuses good. me cuz he doesn't get any of no one does. They don't run any place to get McDaniel's open threes which I know he hasn't shot the ball well, but like running something to maybe help him shoot the ball well, you know, is something that I would try. Um the cat Cat gets the occasional play run for him, like you said, but most of it's just post-ups. There's a lot of good first actions, I think, from, from Finch. You know, they run they run really cool pin-down actions where they kind of twirl around pin-downs and come out the other side. And But then after the player gets the ball, if the shot isn't there, it's just been nothing. That's what I, I really went deep into that Grizzlies game where the offense just completely shit itself at the end of the game. And... All, there was more than I even laid out in the in the article I did, but there was at least 10, 15 really nice first actions in that run that, that Memphis went on. And all of them either were, were defended really well or someone made an error, someone didn't shoot when they probably should have, someone didn't make the right read. But then it's nothing. After that first action, whether it's pin downs or, or horns actions, you know, or, or screens coming off the baseline... That, they're all fine, and they're fine when they they get a shot for you. But when shit hits the fan on those play on those you know sets and actions, it's nothing after that. And I just feel like that wasn't like it was last season. Like I said, I still think Finch is the guy, and I would be shocked if they fired him. He, they definitely should be not not be they firing won't. any coaches. Like I they don't won't. think they're even close to that, and I'm not close to that. But. I don't know. It just feels like the whole team. It's just, like I said earlier. It just feels like disconnect at the moment, uh, and it feels yeah, that way I, offensively I, mainly. Yeah, I definitely feel like there's there's a disconnect, um, and I don't know if it's. I don't know what it is, honestly, <laughs> because they looked so good with no practice time last season. And I think that's what's the most frustrating thing about it um, is because, you know, you look at the Timberwolves, like you look at the Timberwolves last season, um, they were better in half court points per play. Um, or excuse me, points per 100 plays by almost 10 points. Um, like that's pretty significant. <laughs> mm, that's massive. Um, granite, granite, granite. A lot of half court offense is down this year considerably yeah. because yeah. of fouls and shooting. Um, but like, like the, that 10 point difference is only like a four, four ranking difference from 24th to 28th. Um, but still, man, like I think when you look at transition, like, um, you know, the Timberwolves are sixth in, in transition opportunities. Um, you know, they have a ton of, they have a ton of live ball steals, which is great. Um, but even with that, like, they're still not able to, they're still not able to convert those into points enough. And, and when that's happening, like, that's just really tough when, when your defense is based on creating those opportunities. And when you get those opportunities, you're not able to do anything with them. That's tough. And then on the flip side, if you're, you know, getting beat, um, 
you know, you're getting beaten transition, like that's really tough. Um, and they got, they got and smacked I, in the mouth in transition again tonight. Like the transition defense kind of waxes and wanes between okay and just downright terrible. But there's some things like that's why I think it's so hard. It's so hard to judge Finch is because there's things he's not doing well. Uh, things he's kind of tried to tweak that have that have gone pretty badly. I think so far. Um, comparative to last year, and then things that he just can't control. Like I bet he, you know, he would have laughed you laughed at you if you told him that Malik Beasley would be shooting thirty percent from the field from you know through twelve games, couldn't hit a three to save his life. That Torian Prince, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he's got to be shooting less than twenty percent from three. Um, McDaniel's would be under thirty, like. What do you what do you think Torian Prince is shooting like number out of number and percent? What's your guess? I, I would say probably like six out of twenty three, which I don't know what the percentage of that is. I'm not good at maths, but I feel like he has not hit more than six threes. Do you have it in there there in front of you? I thought I did. <laughs> Where'd it go? Okay, yeah, I do have it. <laughs> He's four for twenty-four, sixteen point seven percent. Sixteen point seven. Pretty close. I was oh. trying to find the page. I knew I had. Okay, had it this up is earlier, a forty percent guy consistently over years of sample size. And I will say that I do think like people are throwing the ball out there as an excuse, but the ball is undoubtedly a huge factor for some guys more than yeah. others. Yeah, like Damian Lillard, like. That brother cannot shoot the ball to save his life right now. <laughs> and it's not because Damian Lillard is not a good basketball player. Damian yeah. Lillard forgot how to shoot. Like, yeah. same thing with Malik Beasley. Like, I wouldn't, like, well, Malik's more mechanics, but like, there are some guys, I think, that are struggling with the ball more than others. It's like when you go and play pickup at the gym, like, you may like one ball way more than another, and it's a huge difference. Yeah. And, um, I just I don't know what else to say about it. Like, you know, I, I do think that a lot of these Timberwolves threes are like being created by a possession that goes nowhere for the first fifteen seconds, and then they just make one pass for a three, and some guys yeah. like, oh fuck it, I'll shoot this. Yeah, and and it's just not a good shot. Um, but even when the Timberwolves are like running actions, like you were saying, for Prince or Be- or Beasley to get good looks on open threes, like it just doesn't feel like a lot of them have been going in. Whereas, like, like you pin- you contrast that to tonight, be- you contrast that to tonight, and the Clippers so make every open three. Like it's just crazy. <laughs> and they do, and it just seems so inevitable as well that that the threes are going to go in against the Timberwolves. Like it was so surprising that Mallow kept. Missing those threes. In, I know. Like that game. was kind of all... so satisfying to see, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it's just like Finch must just be face palming. Like, what can I do here? Like, when I do draw up this awesome play, when I do get Cat in the post against the guy who's seven inches smaller than him, you know, it goes awry. And, and then D'Angelo Russell dribbles the ball off his foot three times a game. Like,. Anthony Edwards. That's pissing me off. Yeah, That's Anthony Edwards doesn't get a call at the rim. Like he was heated tonight about Ant not getting a call at the rim. Um, and then, or Anthony Towns comes out with no energy. Like there's nothing he can do about that. I know that people say, well, you know, it's the coach's job to to fire these guys up, and and that's bullshit, man. It's their job to fire themselves up. Like this is what they do. 
And if they love the game like they claim they do, this is like, you can't just sleepwalk into games. And Finch must just be thinking, what the fuck can I do here? Like, there's, like I said, there's things he can do better, but there's a lot of things can't... where it's just he can't do anything but, but trust that his guys are going to do what they're supposed to, and they're not. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that completely. I mean, it must be pretty, a pretty helpless feeling for him knowing that, like, Every it feels like every other team that plays the Timberwolves has such an easier job in the paint than the Timberwolves do. <laughs> yeah. Where like it feels like every single time another team gets the ball in deep, it's a point. Whereas like with the Timberwolves, if they get the ball in deep, it's like, all right, we're not going to get a call, you know. And I feel like the Timberwolves have that attitude as a team. Like we have it as fans, obviously, but I feel like the Timberwolves feel that way as a team also. Yeah. Like. They're going up weak trying to draw a foul instead of going up strong with the attitude, I don't care who the hell is going to hit me, I'm scoring the ball. Whereas, like, the Timberwolves are going up with a, I hope I get fouled yeah. mindset. And, and when, then, too, the Ant so, does that as well. Ant does that. And then I think Ant, like, tonight in this game, it gets to, you know, the third quarter. And I think he realizes, like, I'm just not getting a call. And I think he hits three or four layups in that third quarter where it's just like, I'm just going to fucking score then because they're not exactly. going to call a foul. But that needs to be from minute one. Store the ball and let the refs do whatever the refs are going to do. Because like Cat as well, like you just need to put pressure on the refs. You're not putting pressure on the refs by baiting them. Put pressure on the refs by scoring consistently and you know dunking on dudes and, and going up strong because that's what you can do. Like they, We've seen these guys do it and right now. They're, they're not not consistently enough anyway. Yeah, I mean it that that that's been one of the most frustrating things and I think the most frustrating things is there have been countless times where the Timberwolves have had four guys around the rim, the other team has had one offensive rebounder in and the offensive rebounder has gotten a rebound. Yeah. Like that shit just cannot happen. And the other thing too is like I'm looking at the Golden State roster before the Golden State game like Golden State much like the Timberwolves have only two guys that are bigger than 6'8" that like actually play. And the Timberwolves have a seven-foot guy. The Warriors do not. And the Warriors are like the Warriors are top five in rebounding. And the Timberwolves are bottom five in rebounding. Mm-hmm. Like there is an effort component to this yeah. that the Timberwolves just do not have. And I'm not saying everybody has to be like Jared Vanderbilt, where like they feel like their life is on the line every time they're going for a rebound. Um, but, like, there's no reason Anthony Edwards cannot consistently average seven rebounds a night. There's no reason why, like, shit, I don't know. D'Angelo Russell can't average five, six rebounds a night. Like, he's 6'5". And to his credit, he's done a much better job rebounding this year, I think, D'Lo has. Because he wants to get the ball and get out and run, um, which is helpful. But, like, you know, like, Cat is just getting thrown around on the defensive end. But he's doing so well rebounding on the offensive end. Like, it's just the, the Timberwolves are such a weird team when it comes to rebounding. And I just don't know what the solution there is. I, I, I don't know what they can do to infuse the team with more rebounding other than, like, tell Jaden McDaniels, like, I'm not playing your ass unless you rebound, unless you start getting five, six rebounds a game. Like, I, I just don't know what they can do. There isn't anything like they don't. That, that's an, it's another thing that Finch I'm saying must from just, like an effort standpoint. Yeah. Like I don't know what the coaching staff can do to be like exactly. you need to rebound. Exactly, that's what I was going like, to say. Is that <laughs> Finch? It's another thing that Finch must just throw his hands in the air. Like, like first of all, I don't get given anyone who can rebound, anyone who's tall enough 
And then on the nights where I should win this rebound battle anyway, guys aren't boxing out. Like, Anthony Edwards doesn't box out ever. He, he can sky in and get rebounds, and he does more than he was last season. But like, he's not boxing out for other dudes. Cat is just, like you said, just getting out-muscled at, at every point of a game where there's a, a battle for position in any any variety, whether it's rebounding, post position, you know, all that stuff. Cat's getting worked. Um, the concerning thing, like you said, is that when when there's a chance to score a bucket yourself, when it's going and grab an offensive rebound, everybody wants to do it. When it's grab a defensive rebound or box someone out, or turn around and just watch where the guy on the perimeter is so he doesn't stray in and grab one for the opposition... Nobody's interested except Vanderbilt and Beverly. They're pretty much the only two guys that do it. And Bev is what six foot two, you know, like he 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 puts in just as much effort as anyone on the team to get a rebound. And sometimes I think Cat is it's unfair on him because sometimes he's just like swarmed by guys who are taller than him. But but in games like the Golden State game, Kevon Looney cannot get twelve rebounds, offensive rebounds against you. Twelve. Like, no, not ever. Not today, not ever. And and Cat has, you know, I don't know what it was, but something, two defensive rebounds or something. And, and, and you know, even tonight he had less than 10 again. He's like averaging less than 10 for the season. And I think that all just kind of circles back around to what we started this conversation with, with was that his body language and his energy seems off. And rebounding his effort and body language and energy it's all those things it's it's going and grabbing that fucking ball like and and it's definitely one of those things that finch must just think well, what, can, what can i do like um, what can, i can't get guys to hit open shots i can't get guys to grab rebounds i can't get guys to you know come in and and expect to win on nights where you know they've won a game beforehand I kind of guys to get into this mentality that one win isn't enough to to take a victory lap and that's pretty much where they're at right now and and it's it's annoying to watch to be honest yeah I mean and if you look at the Timberwolves schedule like it's not like things get a whole lot easier for them mm-hmm. honestly like the sun the suns play, might wipe the floor with them next game it's next I mean game? the whole I mean if DeAndre Ayton's out like that is a must win game and it's so a must. It's a must cat game. You ca- you have to go out there and play well if you line up on Frank Kaminsky. If Frank Kaminsky pockets you, like warning bells are dinging loud and clear. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so you play the Suns, who in my, I mean, the, the Wolves played well against the Suns last year, anyways. Um, you know, you had the forty forty game with Cat and Ant yeah. last year, which was fucking electric. Um, so, you know, that's a schedule. Let's schedule that as a loss. I mean, but then you have Sacramento that's lost four in a row. San Antonio, who for my money is the worst team in the NBA. Then Memphis, who lost to the Pelicans tonight and got absolutely throttled the other night by... And should have uh, lost to Minnesota in that game. Yeah, like you, you I mean... You can beat them. The Grizzlies have lost four of five. It should be five in a row. Mm-hmm. And then... And then after that, the Timberwolves play at New Orleans against Miami at Charlotte at Phil- like, and then your schedule starts to get really tough after that. So you have five games, five games now to right the ship, and f- and four of them are at home, and then the fifth one is at New Orleans, where you will not have again, you won't have Zion Williamson in in all likelihood, or you'll have 
Zion that's like just barely gotten back in the rotation. And then after that, you play Miami, Charlotte, Philadelphia, Indiana, Washington, Brooklyn, Atlanta, Utah, Cleveland, Portland, Denver. Los right Angeles. now, it feels like they will not win. There is one games. team. <laughs> there is one team in there. Maybe two. No. Yeah, there is one team out of that group that is currently not slated to be in the playoffs, and that's Indiana, who has been <sighs> the most injured team on the face of the earth for like the last 16 months. So, I mean, the Timberwolves have a murderer's row schedule from Thanksgiving to the first of the year. And then the first of the year, it gets somewhat easy again. But by that um, stage, you can't let... But, like, the easy schedule won't matter by that stage if you roll into that that at 10 and... or 8 and, you know, 20. Yeah. It doesn't matter. By that time, it just won't matter. My point is, like, the start of this season, they've had so many opportunities to be better than they have been. And they've blown leads in almost every single one of the games that they've lost. Uh, almost a double-digit lead in almost every game, too. Um, which is just frustrating, man. And it's like... And, it, and all of these ga- all these next five are against Western Conference teams, too. Like, that's where you've got to make your mark. And, like... Mm-hmm you got an opportunity to step up to the plate and like embrace the challenge or you can just turtle. And like, I'm expecting the team to turtle, honestly. Um, they just don't have enough. They don't have enough personalities on the team that are like, Hey, like I'm sick of this shit. Like I'm going to go out. I'm going to show up every night. I'm going to lead by example. I'm going to MF people. If they're dogging it, if you know, they look like they don't want to be here. I'm going to yell at the coach to take this guy out of the game. If he's dogging it, like, I like if I'm a if I'm a player, I'd be like, I don't want to play with them anybody that's dogging it. Like in the in Pat Bev, like you know, Pat Bev's been back and forth. Like after Ant had that crazy third quarter in the New Orleans game when they lost, he was like, he he literally said after the game it doesn't matter. Yeah. And then tonight you have you have him saying after the game that like you gotta stay positive no matter what. It's like pick a side. You can't yeah. be all over the place. Like Pat Bev seems either... to be getting minnesota at the moment. Just Timberwolves. He he doesn't seem like... And I don't think he'll ever not have a bunch of energy, but he just seems like that That first few games, Pat Beverly isn't there at the moment. And he was great in the Lakers game. I think I, I thought he started the whole... Um, oh, he did. The third, third quarter, quarter he was yeah. awesome. And, and yeah. he's always going to have more energy than most guys on the court. But I just... I, I fear that... You know, he'll just kind of sink into, well, this is my last year of my contract. Like, this team's going nowhere. I'm still going to be Pat Bev, but I'm not going to be able to kind of impact the game, you know, mind state-wise in, in this locker room the way Pat Bev can in other locker rooms. And that's just an indictment on every single person that's around him as well as probably him. So, I don't know, man. Like you said, uh, it, we're both gamblers, Um the smart money is at the Wolves' turtle, like you said. You'd be silly to to bet that they're going to just turn it on all of a sudden and become this, you know, juggernaut franchise that can like like win five games in a row and get themselves turn this this thing around completely. So I don't know. That's what I'm hoping for. I, I, that's what we'll be tuning in still for. But right now, it's um, they're pushing shit up a hill right now, and it's falling back down on them over and over. Yeah, man, it's it's frustrating. <laughs> it is it is certainly frustrating, and um, 
And, and I think what, what makes it really difficult is that, um, you know, like th this team doesn't have like a point where they can look back at and be like, we've done this before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They the only thing they look back on is more losses, more losing streaks. That's the only thing that's kind of there as muscle memory. Yeah, and it's and it's really tough, especially for someone like Anthony Edwards who is being baptized into um you know the shit pit. <laughs> yeah. Like it it just is is frustrating. Um and and as to where the Timberwolves go from here, it's like they got an opportunity to look in the mirror and 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 fix things and and be 500 um or you know a couple games below 500 like if they come out of that stretch a couple games below 500 like i'm okay like yeah. you know what they can yeah. you know they can steal a game here or there you know they have to inject some confidence into what they're doing and um and you know i i think it's obviously more likely that you come out and lay an egg on the road than you would at home um but like those games i've I, like i've been at you know three games now at target center and like that crowd it wants so badly for this team to be good and to have a reason to go and be loud and obnoxious and have a ton of energy and nights like tonight where carl anthony towns has zero interest in being a basketball player um just does nothing to help and um and the timberwolves best chance of riding this ship is winning games at home that they are not supposed to win and it's going to be harder to do that if you start laying eggs on the road and fans start to get disinterested. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, we'll leave it at that. I think that's a perfect kind of outro there. Um, thank you for giving me your time. It's it's a late over there. We're, we're recording after the Clippers game. So I appreciate you, Jack. It, um, obviously, go over to Kane Supers. Jack is always doing great work there. Um, he's kind of sprinkled a few mentions in the stuff he's doing but if you go there you will find all of his stuff and all of those other great guys over at Kana's stuff so Jack um thank you for the therapy session and hopefully we can do this on on brighter terms within the next few weeks absolutely man always look forward to it and um and glad you guys are are out of lockdown and yes and jabbed definitely. up and 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 ready to roll down there uh <laughs> down there in Australia I'm, I'm happy for you guys <laughs> Thank you, man. Um, and everyone else, uh, thanks for, for listening. Thanks for sticking by. And thank you for subscribing over at houseanddrowse.substack. I know that I'm not expecting many people to pay me right now for Timberwolves content, but everyone who has and everyone who continues to, thank you. And I will be back next week. Peace. <laughs>